This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. A little over 100 miles east of Kansas City, there's a town named Arrow Rock, Missouri. You may have never been there. You may have never heard of it. But it has one of the oldest restaurants in America. And despite many fires... Arrow Rock, Missouri is a town that remains immersed in history. Well, I said in the intro, Diane, it's only 100 miles away or so from Kansas City, this little town called Arrow Rock. And I'll be honest with you, after reading up about it, doing my research about this town, I got to get there. It seems really, really cool. Why haven't I heard about this town before that has so much history, which really relates to kind of the beginning of Kansas City, too? It really does. And it is the perfect place to take your girls. I mean, this is like a family friendly, you know, quick stop. You know, it's a little over an hour and probably 20 minutes to get there. Right. Not that far from I-70. And like you said, it has a huge connection to Kansas City and really to the state of Missouri, as you like to say. Missouri. (laughs) And and, and that was one of the original Native American tribes that was kind of in Arrow Rock, Missouri. It was like the Missouri uh, Indian tribe. And I I thought that was kind of funny reading it. But one of the things that jumps out to me about Arrow Rock, I think, is that when we look at America, we view it in the lens of it's 235 years, 336, 237 years old, however old Mm -hmm. the country is right now. We forget there was a lot going on on this land before we discovered it. And by we, I mean, you know, the, the, the white, the white male, folk, <laughs> if you will, there was a lot of history going on in this country before it. Arrow Rock dates back 12,000 years to the Native American times, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You got Native American tribes that would use the area, which is really interesting because it's on the, you know, Missouri River, the town of Arrow Rock is. And there was this rock ledge that was perfect for basically crafting tools that would have been essential, of course, to farm, you know, to, to be able to for hunting and everything else. So Arrow Rock got its name essentially because of that. So these Native American tribes, it was almost a um, a safe place for the different tribes to gather. So it wasn't, it didn't, you know, of course, Native Americans, the land didn't belong to any specific anything, of course, mm-hmm. at the time. But this was a place that everybody would go knowing that the rock was good for the use of making tools, which I just think is just incredible that it goes back, you know, over 10,000 years, they can trace that and, and say that's the truth. And of course, the name comes from the white folk. <laughs> but but um, in 1732, it's the earliest document of Arrow Rock, and it was a French cartographer, Jean-Baptiste Bourguignon de Anvil, and I'm sure I butchered that name. I'm glad but- you got that name correct, because <laughs> I was reading that name. I'm like, Diane, this is all you on this it, one. Yeah, I, I mean, we'll just call him John. John sketched uh, the area, and he wrote Pierre of Fletch, which essentially translates in French, and obviously the French would sound way better than I just did, to Rock of Arrows. So, you know, essentially they knew in seven, the 1700s, and you kind of forget, like, 
people were trepsing through the area in the 1700s, even, you know, almost 100 years before uh, Missouri was even a state. I mean, this is like super early. This is back, you know, in territorial days. And and they knew that that, that area was special. Um, so when William Clark, as in Lewis and Clark, went through in 1808, he was establishing Fort Osage in Jackson County to trade with Native American tribes. And on his way back, he saw it and he said, well, this would be a good place for like a fort or something. Because again, it kind of, you know, was a protected and safe area. And it's pretty much almost, you know, not in the middle of the state, but, you know, close enough. And so that became kind of a, you know, a, a, a part of the area that was really well known. And we had issues, of course, with Native American tribes until uh, about 1815. You got the War of 1812 and all of that. And, and there was a time period where uh, the that Clark actually said, move Fort Osage to this area because it was safer. There was more white settlement essentially happening in the middle of the state. Yeah. So there's a peace treaty in 1815 that that says hey, everybody, y'all can come in here. We've negotiated with the Native American tribes and now we can settle this area. And boy, did they come. And they came, of course, with their enslaved people as well. I mean, no. it's just crazy. And this is all before the Santa Fe Trail even. Well, crazy. I was going to say, you know, I, I wrote down and, and I know you didn't say this, but I'll say it anyway, because I, <laughs> this is how I'm thinking. And I could, you, I could be totally wrong about this, but it almost appears like this became really the first gateway West, if you will. Like, I know everybody wants to point to St. Louis and all the rivers spreading right. up and doing that all there, but you get out into the middle of Missouri, there's not a whole lot out there. And then all of a sudden here we are, and you've got the trails coming together, the river coming together because yeah. of stop for ferries to cross the river. Like this became kind of that first gateway before you really got to what was, you know, modern day or old timey Kansas city, if you will. It kind of was. And that's because Franklin, Missouri, which is where the Santa Fe trail started in 1821. So right after statehood, it's not far from Arrow Rock, essentially. And so in, in this would be what we call the Boonslick region, which is just sounds terrible, but you know, everything is named after Daniel Boone in Missouri. So but there's um, a and, lot of names of towns in Missouri that do sound terrible, like Tightwad, Missouri, first and foremost. I mean, that's Scumbia. just one of them. Yeah. <laughs> but there, I got stuck a, in a tornado in Tuscumbia. That's a story there, I'll tell you someday with a drink in my hand. Oh my, they get a forehands <laughs> in you, and we'll we'll hear all kinds of yes. Yeah, so, that's true. But but there are there, there's a lot of weird names of towns in, mm -hmm. in Missouri. So when you say Boonslick, Missouri, I'm like, oh, okay. I, I mean, that doesn't surprise me that there's a town no. called that around here. I mean, of course not. I mean, it's, 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 I think it's kind of pathetic, but, but Boonslick is a, it was a salt mine. Essentially, It doesn't sound, it's like, oh, why didn't they call it salt mine, Missouri? That sounds better. But yeah, they, so the area became known, of course, as Little Dixie. And I hate to say that because, you know, I mean, Dixie chicks don't even, you know, they're not even the Dixie chicks anymore, but it was called the Little Dixie because it was where the really predominantly Missouri's slave, larger slaveholders were. So the people that are coming here, Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, see it has very much in common with Jackson County and the history of Kansas City but these are going to be the the larger scale slaveholders that uh were were farming hemp and tobacco very it sounds kind of you know like the south mm -hmm. you know and so when the Santa Fe Trail goes busting through William Becknell he goes out from Franklin Missouri and passed he passed by Arrow Rock and at this point his brother was actually operating a ferry across the river there so that becomes you know a pretty pretty significant spot so the Santa Fe Trail followed the Osage Trace, so an old Osage Trail. We've talked about this before, but of course, and it went in front of Fort Osage. So Arrow Rock's route, if you will, was on the Santa Fe Trail as well. So that makes it 
also super historic. And what ends up happening is that, of course, in 1819, I don't know if you knew this until you read about it, but the, that's when the first steamboat made it on the Missouri River. So prior to that, because I don't know if anybody's ever been on the Missouri River, and I have, unfortunately, <laughs> been on the Missouri River, it's super, it's really not that deep. And it's very dangerous because it's muddy mm -hmm. and it's also got a lot of crap in it. And that even was the case back then, like broken limbs. And so it was very dangerous to be on a steamboat back in those days. Um, but they were successfully able to get to Franklin, Missouri from St. Louis. And, and within a year, they'd already sent two steamboats down the river. And as you know, right, and because we talked about this before, um, Independence, Missouri in 1827, its creation and the fact that steamboats were safely passing, people didn't leave from Franklin, Missouri anymore. You know, they're going to leave from the nearest stop, and that would have been independent. So people were taking the steamboat, but that doesn't kill. This is kind of cool because it doesn't kill really what ends up being Arrow Rock because Arrow Rock was on the river. So Arrow Rock was platted in 1829. It was first called Philadelphia. I don't know who they thought they were. Yeah, that was funny. I read that. I'm like, Philadelphia, where they come up with that for the name of this town? Yeah, like I know that like Manhattan, Kansas is a little apple, but I don't see Arrow Rock being little Philadelphia, but whatever. Yeah. Um, anyway, they advertise in the paper for lots and they're saying, hey, this is a great place to stop and settle because Franklin was flooding. Franklin flooded and people left Franklin. And so where like Franklin, Missouri was is now like a cornfield. <laughs> and of course the river changed course too. So essentially uh, they've created new Franklin, which is still called that. Like they were creative. They were like, well, this one didn't work. We'll just call it new, new Franklin. Well, um, it's like most of the East coast, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New true. York. It's you know, mm -hmm. all named after towns in like, you know, Belgium and places like that. Oh, mostly. Yeah. You know, England and, and, and after Lords and all that. Yeah. So they're looking for, you know, a higher spot to settle. So this is going to work out pretty well. So these people realize that this arrow rock is a great spot to uh, settle. And so they, a lot of them moved to the area and the merchants were going to be successful because the Santa Fe trail trade was still having to take the steamboat, of course, you know, out West to the new stop, which was near independence. And then later, of course, Westport landing. Mm -hmm. um, so arrow rocks platted, it becomes super, it bec they changed their name in 1833. Thank God to arrow rock, which made sense. Cause it was already kind of known as that. Um, and it, the if you go to, I, when you go to Arrow Rock, cause you need to go and everybody listening needs to go if they've never been, you really notice it's, um, really, um, garden-like is a good way to put it. Um, and so there'll be like an old house. And when I say old, I mean like real old for Missouri old. Yeah, you're talking like 1700s, late 1700s, early 1800s old. Like this isn't well, stuff that was built in the 1920s. Right. I mean, you get like, it, it, you can see some of the older like French architecture in cities like St. Genevieve. And when it, when Arrow Rock, like the buildings that survive are going to be from that first real push of it being a town when the Santa Fe Trail took off. So the 1830s into the 1840s. And that's old for Missouri. We tear yeah. everything down. So these buildings were, you know, really, you know, are beautiful, but these old houses, which are really not huge, you know, people didn't live in love, the lap of luxury back in these days, the houses might not be that big, but you know, they're usually, they're brick, uh, most of them. And they have like really long extended gardens today. And the reason is they bought multiple lots in a row because these people living in town still needed a chicken coop. They still needed 
their slave cabin. I mean, I hate to say it that way, but it's true. Their kitchen was detached. So these lots became, and they had, you know, medicinal gardens that they planted. So they're really, it's really park-like there today. And it still looks like that because of the way this was platted in the first place. And then, you know, you have the, speaking of slaves, um, one of the really cool things about Arrow Rock too is that they have open um, sewer systems because, and you got to remember that cities wouldn't, or towns wouldn't have had like traditional buried sewers back in these days. Mm -hmm. And you can still see this all throughout the town. They have, it's rock laid, so it's not brick, rock laid sewer systems that were built by slave labor and they're still there. Um, so don't take a low, don't you can, your, your house or your house, your car, your new Bronco will be fine. Cause it sits yeah. up high, but if you're in a low sitting car, you're going to bottom out. If you don't know how you're driving, it's like drive 45 minutes. You know what I mean? Or, or excuse me, drive, uh, make sure you drive slow or whatever. Yeah. Oh. Um, it's but pretty I, cool though. I, I, you, you mentioned the slave ties of mm -hmm. Arrow Rock and, and I really want to get into that because yeah. I, I think for a lot of us here in the Midwest now, I, I don't think many of us really knew the connection to the South that Missouri had until they right. joined the SEC. And, and we're talking like 10 <laughs> years ago. And then I think yeah. we all kind of woke up and started to realize that Missouri really was a Southern state back then. I mean, when, when Arrow Rock opened, how many, how many families moved there with slaves and started that town and built that town up and kind of continued the Southern mentality kind of North, if you will, of that Mason-Dixon line. But I mean, Missouri really truly is a Southern state at heart. And if Missouri mm -hmm. doesn't join the SEC, I don't know how much of this we're actually exploring and understanding that this is truly the root of, of the state of Missouri. Well, in state of Missouri is in such a unique position, as you know, from border wars and everything else, it sat in a, you know, the Mason Dixon line. It, it's like, it, it, was it North? Was it South? I mean, it, I will tell you this, the tendency of the people who settled it were Southerners. Mm -hmm. They were Southerners and to the core Southerners, even if they couldn't afford, you know, enslaved people, they wish they had them. I mean, that's just how it was. And that's like, you know, the, I, you bring up good points because when we look at a town like Arrow Rock, you know, you and people get a little dicey about, you know, the topic of slavery. But I, this town has done an incredible job of preserving, of not having it be an issue. And I don't mean slavery is an issue. What I mean is that they've done a good job of telling that story so it's not erased. You know, we talk about erasing history. So it's not erased and they acknowledge the fact that this happened and they have completely embraced the black culture of the city as well, which is just really cool. And, and it, we don't see that very often. And when you're back in the you know 1820s and what their biggest concern was, I mean, to be clear, these slaves, you know, enslaved people couldn't run far because every you're talking about it's now you're talking you're, Kansas territory aka now that was Indian territory couldn't run that way north was too far away um the river was dangerous I mean so you did you had the luxury of having um an enslaved population that was kind of landlocked in a way and but they still had slave patrollers I mean and one of their first slave patrollers that was appointed for Arrow Rock Township was William Chick and William Chick was one of the founders of Kansas City. He he was in Arrow Rock first, and then what's his? He got flooded out. He was in the township first, and then he moved to Jackson County in 1836 and purchased a building from John McCoy in Westport, and became a merchant there, and then invested in the future site of Kansas City. But he has a nasty past too, you know. I mean, that's it. He he was part of this whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, the town was prior to the Civil War had a thousand people. 
pretty i mean so it was it was bustling pretty good sized town pretty good sized town and by after the civil war it was the busiest river port between kansas city and st louis uh it has 100 homes in it 14 stores there the downtown was destroyed by a fire in 1872 and in the 1900s what really killed the town of course was the fact that the railroad didn't go there right um railroad replaces of course the steamboat Otherwise, we'd have a Missouri River with a steamboat on it right now. But the buildings that it survive are unbelievable. And I, I mean, we got to talk about some of them because when mm-hmm. you go to visit, you got to hit them. Um, Houston Tavern. Um, it's a great, not like my name, Houston, but Houston without the, you know, the town without the O. Mm-hmm. H-U-S-T-O-N. <laughs> um, just like my name, with, except with an H instead of an E. Yeah. Um, we're not related, <laughs> but Judge Joseph Houston um, arrived in Arrow Rock um, in 1819, and he was born in 1784. These guys are old, old folks. Um, but not really. I mean, you, you arrive in 1819 and you were born in 1794, so you're, 19, yeah, you're like 25 years old. Yeah. I guess back then that that's old school. Oh, right? yeah. That, that's ancient history back then. 25, mm-hmm. you're pushing the end. You know, they say now 90 is the new 40. Back then, 25 was the new five. I mean, by 25, I, you've lost a couple teeth. You know yeah, what I mean? probably I mean, a couple teeth. Sure. You've been married two or three times and, you know, <laughs> lost a spouse. Lost at least way. at least a couple kids. A couple this of point. kids by that point in life. Yeah, like 25. Back then, I mean, you're grandpa. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're old. old man. Yeah, you're looking rickety. Yeah, so it's he. He comes and he builds a hotel in 1834. Of course, why a hotel? Because of the Santa Fe Trail, and uh, the slaves, uh, his enslaved people, were the ones that um, fired the bricks and built the building, and it's still standing today. In 1840, they added a store to it. It was the original post office for the town. Um, it has a ballroom in it, and it's really cool because uh, the ballroom. Well, this isn't cool, but uh, they used it for as a hospital during the cholera epidemics because wow. it was really large, but it has a hand stencil design that appears today so when they were remodeling and renovating the building in the 19 I think the 20s they uncovered the original hand stencil design so they actually put it back up again um they had a detached kitchen for slave labor um that's now attached um and they worked that into the building years later it's been it's considered the oldest restaurant west of the Mississippi River so it has been running continuously since 1834 as a restaurant. Even when the town was suffering, it was still a place you could go get a beer. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's I, just like really cool. And, um, and, you, and you look at the menu and it's kind of got menu items that were featured oh, yeah. back in, in the 1800s. So it kind of keeps itself to time. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're out there doing, you know, modern food or anything like that. It's kind of yeah. a, a simple, easy kind of 1835 type of menu, too. Yeah. And the guy who was operating it, he has now left, but the guy that was operating when I visited is an old friend of mine, um, Alan Hagedorn, who was, uh, he's a sommelier, a wine sommelier. And he uh, used to be worked at Royal Liquor for many years. People listening are going to know who Alan is. Alan is my wine guy. I love him. Um, Alan actually grew up in Marshall, Missouri. And so he ended up kind of going back home and living in this sleepy town because it's sleepy. Um, and he's like, I'm coming back to the city, but whatever. Anyway, when I visited, it was, it was great because, you know, it had a nice wine list and, uh, you know, this, this old tavern, he actually let me ring the bell. So it has an old bell on the top of it. That's an old, they say it's an old steamboat bell. Um, and it was rung for the hotel guests to announce meal times and also used for the town emergencies, like your fire emergency. Wow. And so he's like, you can ring it. I'm like, seriously and i did it was super fun um so the old tavern is a huge building you got to visit it's it's incredible and you can go and see the old 
bedrooms, you know, or places they used to stay. It was like a hostel more than a hotel. Um, and in 1912, they were marking the daughters of the American Revolution were marking the Santa Fe Trail and they came through Arrow Rock, which at this point, like no one's in Arrow Rock. <laughs> it's a it's like deserted. I saw today's populations like 37. I know. Right. Well, there's a reason for that. We'll get to. So but, there were more people back then in 1812 oh, yeah. than there were today. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, today there's a reason that it, the population is definitely not there, but the DAR saw the condition of the Houston Tavern and said, we got to, you got to do something to save this. I mean, go DAR. So in 1923, they sponsored a bill to that went in front of the, the Missouri house and were able to get the house to buy or the government to buy Houston Tavern for $5,000. And so the state owned it. And then the DAR agreed that they would operate it. So this is like in 1923, think about this. Prior to the Great Depression, this is the first real preservation effort in the entire state of Missouri. Wow. This was it. And so it, you know, they they reestablished this Houston Tavern. They did the work and all of that. And so now it is operated by the Friends of Arrow Rock, but it's still owned by the state. And then there's other buildings in town. So as they're saving this, all of a sudden they're like, we should probably save this. And then everything became like something to save. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the next one, which was really important was the George Caleb Bingham house. I mean, he's a Missouri's artist, right? Um, he's got stuff hanging in, you know, pretty much every famous museum in the country, including of course, Kansas city. He was born in 1811 and moved to Arrow Rock and was married and all of this. And, and his house was built in 1837 and he lived there from 1837 to 1845. So he was doing his beautiful Missouri art. He began painting portraits um, of Saline and Howard County residents that lived around Arrow Rock. That's the other really cool thing about this is he starts painting about um, after his father, uh, well, he starts painting about 1819. So he's 18 years old. His father dies in 1823 um, of malaria, <laughs> like, <laughs> of course, you know. But anyway, he starts doing all these paintings and he, he focuses on people. And so he starts, he, nobody wants to buy a picture of the Missouri river, right? They want to buy a portrait of their family member because there's no photography. And so for $20 a piece, he would paint these different residents of the area, which is why all of these famous Arrow Rock residents all have like a Bingham of them. And so, you know, the guy of Houston Tavern, he's got a Bingham. Um, there's a Bingham of se several Kansas City family, you know, founding members that we have, like, you know, uh, well, Benoist Troost yeah. has a Bingham. So we have Binghams. And actually the one, uh, one of the famous, uh, I believe it's, it's, uh, it's the one of, oh yeah, we'll talk about him, Sappington. Sappington. Um, yeah, Dr. Sappington, his his Bingham is hanging in in the Nelson. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, like he was just crazy? a random doctor. He was like a charlatan, though. I mean, like one of those yeah. doctors, like witchcraft or something that he well, was. Yeah. Like, do you remember the movie The Wizard of Oz? Oh, of course. Okay, we took your movie. heels and you and you made it home. But like at one point, the guy who was behind the wizard, you know, yeah. was basically this guy, Dr. Sappington, <laughs> out here pushing tonic and quinine pills, which Seriously. I had never heard of quinine other Did you than Google it? No, well, I know it's in tonic water, right? Yeah. And yeah. so that's kind of just what I thought it was like a, a flavoring or something that's in tonic water. I never knew yeah. they were trying to, you know, push it as like a malaria cure. <laughs> It worked too. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, you got this guy he, and he's painted by George Caleb Bingham. I mean, and by the way, the Bingham house, you can go inside the Bingham house and visit it while you're in Arrow Rock. It's now part of the 
you know, the revamped area. Um, so Sappington, he moves to Missouri with his family and in 1823, he's, you know, he's doing this medical practice and he develops, like you said, a quinine pill and quinine had been around for a century, but his, it said, it says this, he's the first physician that really worked in breaking down the bark of the cinchona tree from mm -hmm. Peru and got the quinine substance out of it, which tells you, it's like, I was like, wait, so I have a gin and tonic. I'm drinking bark. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> Is that what's happening? But it, whatever it was, I mean, this quinine pill really did seem to work. I'll say it that way. It helped with the symptoms of malaria. It's too bad. Uh, Bingham's dad didn't get some. Yeah. So he started marketing the pills from Arrow Rock, Missouri, all across the nation in, you know, magazines and, and newspapers. And it was right to, you know, Dr. Sappington and, and Arrow Rock to get your pills. And it worked. I mean, it worked. And his son's house is still standing. It was built in 1845. And if you go to Arrow Rock, you can drive by it. It's beautiful. It's a big, huge Annabella mansion. Um, yeah, it's just unbelievable. Like really there's so many buildings in Arrow Rock that have their own little history. And 1963, Arrow Rock, like the whole town, this is why it has 36 residents now. The whole town was made a national landmark. And so it's actually, no one really lives in Arrow Rock anymore. It's all, it's like the guy who runs the Friends of Arrow Rock lives there and like a few other people. Other than that, the whole entire town, like there are people that bought buildings that aren't open to the public that are restored that they live in st louis and they come there on the weekends and stuff like that but it's not a full-time real residence of many people 14 total buildings have been restored and in 1961 the lyceum theater theater started doing productions out of the old baptist church and 30,000 people a year go to arrow rock and of course there's bnbs that you can stay in just to see these, uh, you know, these really cool uh, shows, you know, they're like kind of off-Broadway show type things. Um, Arrow Rock Landing is a, is a landmark you can go to. The rivers move, so Arrow Rock is now landlocked, <laughs> but whatever. And then really in the 90s, they started to tell the story of slavery, which was important, and I'm so glad that he did it. And I feel like every city that has a, an attachment, including Kansas City, to slavery, needs to do this. Um, by in 1850, in this area, the average slaveholder held 5.4 enslaved people. So almost six people. Wow. That's more, way more than the area where we live. Um, a third of the population of Saline County was enslaved. A third, 33%. Wow. So most of the town was built by them. I mentioned the gutters. So they established an African-American heritage project because in the 1950s or, you know, before Arrow Rock was abandoned, if you will, because of the fact that they made it an entire national landmark, um, the population was predominantly African-American, which is pretty interesting um, because after the Civil War, people moved to their nearest town they felt safe. And so these these former slaves from neighboring areas ended up living in Arrow Rock after the Civil War. And so uh, there was a really cool chapel that the African-American community built in 1869. It's now open to the public. Um, it was the first black school uh, or school for black children in the area. Um, they have a black history museum inside of their old Brown Lodge, which also was an African-American lodge built in 1881. Unbelievable. And the other thing that I didn't do, except for this last time I visited, I drove kind of off the beaten path and went to Dr. Sappington's old land. 
And on his land, he actually um, donated or gave to a former slave of his. He had 24 slaves, by the way. Uh, Yeah. He donated land to make a cemetery for African-Americans prior to emancipation, 1856. And that land stands today or, you know, is today now a national landmark as well and recognized by Missouri. So it's being taken care of by this, the state. It is beautiful. It is all enclosed. Now Um, you go in and you can see people in the 1920s who had passed away. They hand carved those stones. So it just says like Gloria and then the date of death in like scratched. You know what I mean? It's unbelievable. Because prior to the Civil War, a a slave or a former slave is not going to have a headstone. So you go there knowing that even though you don't see a lot of headstones, there's at least 350 people buried there that essentially built the community around them. They built Arrow Rock. These people built, well, Missouri, honestly. Um, They... I mean, it's just, it's one of those places you go and go, thank God someone thought ahead here and said, we need to do something to preserve this crazy, amazing history, a a stain on our history, but also so important. And it's so well told. Arrow Rock, Missouri is the perfect place to take a day trip from Kansas City. It's not that far from KC and you can get a great meal too at one of the oldest restaurants in America and the oldest restaurant still serving west of the Mississippi. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 